It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, from the beautiful Ontario Rain headquarters, my co-host, Josh Schaefer. Uh, Josh, how are things over there in the beautiful Ontario Rain headquarters? Just lovely. Uh, the back office that I'm in right now, I'm in a little conference room. Um, I don't think there's much airflow in here. It's very hot. I've been in here five minutes and I'm dying here. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's yeah. the, the opposite of what your arena should be. Like I'm saying, man, just go to the arena where it's freezing cold. It post is freezing up there. Post up somewhere yeah. in there. That way you'll be comfortable one day. Yeah. Like I said, one, well, one day there's, we'll there's no the ice, ice in the summer. No ice in the oh, summer. So, so, it's, so it's not going to be very cold over there. All right. But, so you might have to just post up yeah. from there. But uh, exactly. make sure you guys follow us on social media, whatever app you guys use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also watch and listen to our full shows over on YouTube. And make sure you guys listen to the podcast wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify. We're on the Odyssey app as well. The show is brought to you by Odyssey Sports. So, again, wherever you guys get your podcasts, go over there, give us a listen, give us a download, give us a nice little rating, whatever helps. Uh, Josh, we were going to start today's episode with some negativity, but I think we should start with some positivity because the Dodgers, they were riding a four-game losing streak. Things were not looking great. The end of the Yankee series wasn't pleasant. The start of this Red series especially wasn't pleasant. But that's why you throw Clayton Kershaw out there when you desperately need a win. The Dodgers win 6 to nothing. Jokingly, I think I tweeted saying, I'm going to need 22 runs today to feel kind of confident in picking up a victory. But with Clayton Kershaw on the mound, I guess all you really need is a couple of runs. So the Dodgers, they snap their losing streak. Clayton Kershaw does Clayton Kershaw things once again. And they pick up a much-needed victory as they head to Philly. But I was not expecting the Cincinnati Red Series, Josh to be as difficult as it was. I thought they were going to go on in, probably take two out of three, maybe even sweep them. But the Dodgers, they got a wake-up call and maybe a much-needed wake-up call as uh, now they're all of a sudden a game and a half behind the D-backs. Yeah, yeah, and it was a much, much-needed win and obviously a fantastic outing from Kershaw. He goes seven innings um, and uh, no runs, five hits, struck out nine, only walked two. Uh, another phenomenal outing from Kershaw, and thank goodness for him uh, because – Obviously, we've talked about how the starting rotation hasn't been great as of late outside of you know him, maybe Bobby Miller, but um, the bullpen has not been very good for the Dodgers at all um, over the last couple of games um, and just, I mean, just over the last couple of weeks in general. But, um, you know, it was, it was a big win for the team today. You know, they scored um, relatively early, added more later, um, and got out of the game unscathed. Yeah, I mean, with, with Kershaw, he had kind of that rough – month of May, where he had a couple of good starts, but for the most part, it was like, I think the second worst month of his entire career, but things have changed in the month of June. He's been fantastic. Seven scoreless innings, nine strikeouts, did allow five hits, didn't really have 
the Reds threatening at any point. I think there was at one point they had runners on the corners with no outs. He managed to get out of that. But for Kershaw, this is his third start this season with seven scoreless innings and nine strikeouts. That's the most in all of baseball, which is just insane. It was his fifth start this year in which he's gone at least seven, his fifth start with at least nine strikeouts. And Josh, today was actually a historic start for Kershaw. It was his 63rd career start of seven scoreless innings, officially tying Don Sutton for the most in Dodgers history. So it's year 16. He's still doing it. He's still one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. I think he's like fourth in the in, in all of baseball in strikeouts, second in the National League. He's first in wins. His ERA, I think, is top five. Everything else essentially is top five. And Josh, we're officially on 3,000 strikeout watch. He is now 100 strikeouts away. I did the math. I used my Arizona State education to crunch the numbers and do this. He's averaging 7.15 strikeouts per start this year. If he keeps up that average, if he keeps up that pace, he'll need to make 14 starts to reach 3,000 strikeouts, which I think would put him early mid-September. So if Clayton Kershaw is able to avoid an injury, he'll reach 3,000 strikeouts. But again, asking Clayton Kershaw to avoid an injury is kind of asking a lot at this point in his career I think I, I think I think that many starts um is kind of asking for a lot especially this season um I mean if he if he goes another year I think that's something that he could hit without a doubt but look I mean it, it's just a really cool milestone um I remember um being in Arizona um for a Yankees Diamondbacks game when when CC recorded his uh his 3000th strikeout um, and it was just kind of a cool moment to be at, even though I've got no connection to the Yankees, no connection to CC Sabathia. It was just something that was cool to be at. Um, and the fact that Kershaw is is still, you know, relatively within striking distance of, of hitting that milestone for his Hall of Fame career um, is really cool. So, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot to get there. Um, more importantly, it's just going to take a lot of innings. So you hope that Kershaw has the longevity to get there. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think that this is something that's going to go beyond this season um, if he decides to, you know, keep going. Yeah, I mean, if he pitches next season, he'll hit it relatively quickly. It's just a matter of wanting him to get it this year just in case he decides to call it quits. But he can do it. It's just a matter of if he's able to stay healthy because that I think he's made 13 starts so far this year. If he needs another 14, that puts him at 27. I think if you stay healthy for a season, you usually should make 30 or 31 starts. So... I guess technically that's maybe like three or four weeks to spare if he does go down with an injury. So there, there's hope, but I just want to be on Kershaw watch because again, 100 strikeouts, that's not a whole lot. One final thing on today's game, Josh, I just want to throw out there. I just want to give a quick shout out to a guy we probably have not mentioned since the season began. We've probably only talked about him during the offseason when they signed him, but that's David Peralta who got off to a really slow start through the first month and a half, two months of the season, but quietly he's been maybe the second or third best hitter for the last five, six weeks for the Dodgers. I know he's been hitting the ball well recently, but I didn't realize how good it was. So he had a four-hit game today. Honestly, could have been a five-hit game. He had one out that had like a high expected batting average. He smoked it. But since May 1st, David Peralta is hitting 342, hitting 378 since May 20th. I think he just had like a seven or eight game hitting streak that came to an end, but again, four hits today. So... 
David Peralta, if he gets going, we've seen him be a Dodger killer in years past. He doesn't have to be that all-star kind of caliber player he was a couple years ago, but if David Peralta keeps playing the way he's playing and he's your number seven, number eight hitter in the lineup, uh, all of a sudden, again, this Dodger lineup, they find another way to get that much deeper. Peralta was somebody that, like, through the first couple of weeks of the season was somebody that was kind of just like, all right, he's here whatever maybe he's a good depth piece going forward and and you know for me there has never been a thought that's like why is this guy here because he's just been around he's just been here um but Peralta I mean especially like you said what since May 20th he's been right up there it's been him and JD Martinez two former Diamondbacks who have been the team's two best hitters and just in the month of June so far again we're recording this episode on June 8th, so it's been eight days. But in those eight days, he's eight for 15 at the plate. Like, I'm not saying that he's going to keep that pace through, you know, a span of just, you know, what, five, six games for him at the plate um, throughout the entirety of the month. But going back all the way to May 20th, he's been fantastic. And, I mean, you just look at the last couple of months overall. Go back to April. He had a lot of ABs in April, um, and he ended up ending the month with a 136 clip and it's just, I mean, I I don't want to put too much stock into actual batting average here, but I think that these numbers do kind of show just his overall improvement at the plate, having hit below 140 in April, he then hits 300 in May. And so far he's hitting 533 in June. And like I said, it's only been a couple of games and you don't want to put too much stock in a batting average, but his actual approach at the plate and the fact that he's actually getting some, you know, some balls to land, um, he's making better contact. He's been more consistent at the plate. You can see that improvement month to month throughout the first couple of months of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, he, he was just a dev piece earlier in the season. I think he only signed for $6 billion. So the fact they're getting this kind of production, because again, he's been playing really, really solid defense out there in left field. He's not striking out really at all. He's hitting the ball hard. Now he's starting to get some results. So if David Peralta can keep this up, maybe again hit like 260, 270 the rest of the way, hit a home run every now and then. The Dodgers, they'll gladly take that. So David Peralta really been turning things around, wanted to give him some love because he's been a pleasant surprise, and I think the Dodgers could desperately use him to keep this up. But Josh, unfortunately, that's probably going to be the only positivity in today's episode because we do have to talk about what happened the last two games. And the first, this is the most important because this is something we talked about last week, something we got to talk about again because the situation is just getting out of hand. And that's with Noah Syndergaard. I mean, obviously, he had that really rough outing last week. He had that post-game quote where he said he would give his hypothetical firstborn in order to essentially pitch the way he used to pitch. I think yesterday might have been his worst outing of the season. Allowed six runs, three innings, had nothing working. I mean, the crazy thing with Noah Syndergaard, it's the fact that it's not like he's just throwing meatballs down the middle of the plate. He's throwing pitches that are out of the zone that guys are just hitting, you know, into the stands. So he's not even making bad pitches. He's just, his pitches are so bad, guys are able to turn on them. ERA above seven, his numbers across the board are the worst in baseball among all starting pitchers. We talked about kind of what the Dodgers could do with him if he had another clunker of a start. And it looks like we have the decision from the Dodgers. They placed him on the injured list this morning with a, uh, air quote, blister injury. He did have a blister problem about a month ago in Milwaukee. Hasn't been mentioned ever since. There's been no talk of any sort of blister injury. 
and I don't think you can officially put someone on the IL with the designation of sucking, uh, so they had to give him something. So Josh, he's placed on the injured list with this blister injury, and they pretty much came out and they said, we don't know how long it's going to be. He's not even with the team anymore. He flew back to Los Angeles. They've kind of pretty much said, like, we're doing this to have him reset. Hopefully he can figure some things out. So Noah Syndergaard on the IL. He's at least out for two weeks on the 15 days, so it, it's going to be at least two weeks until we see him. Josh, do you think we're going to see him two weeks from now when his time is up, or do you think this might be a lengthy stay where they just kind of keep him down um, until they might need another guy to get a start? I think this is it, and I think it it, it has to be. Um, obviously, he has not been good. He's now at an ERA. Uh, he's now with an ERA of 7.16. Yesterday, three innings, six runs on seven hits, only three strikeouts and 22 earned runs over his last 23 innings. It has just not been good. It's been consistently bad, um, and the only times it hasn't been consistently bad is when it has progressively somehow gotten even worse. Um, and, I mean, you you said this. I mean, obviously we're going to focus on the Dodgers here, but um, through, through you know, the first couple of games of the series against the Reds, I think um, I'm already willing to give Ellie De La Cruz the most exciting prospect in baseball tab because, my God, that guy is unbelievable. Um, and it all started with just his first inning, just flying around the bases in his debut, which was crazy. But you tweeted this already. Like, you texted our friend who was the broadcaster for the Dayton Dragons last year who saw – who has seen more of Ellie De La Cruz than either of us. And you text him like, I think he's actually going to hit it out today against hit it all the way out against Noah Syndergaard. And he damn near hit it out of the park. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it was just, that was one of those things where it's like, you watch it and you think like, man, that is exciting for him and for their fan base. But that is just, I mean, not shocking. It's like demoralizing for Noah Syndergaard because you just knew that that was going to happen. And it was just a prime opportunity for, for Ellie De La Cruz to do that. And good for him. But, I mean, you called that. You texted our friend that that was going to happen, and it nearly happened. Um, just absolutely destroyed the ball, and it got worse from there. Yeah. I mean, literally, I said out of the stadium, and it was hit to the very last row. I was kind of hoping it would just go a little more feet up there and actually leave the stadium because what a call shot that would have been. But, yeah. Also, real it's quick, did you see, awful. you know, everyone's everyone on Twitter's like, oh, you could have asked for so much money. Did you see what the kid asked for who caught the ball? Yeah, it ended up being a lot. It was like a, it was like signed balls for him and his friends, signed photos for him and his friends, and then I think a what was it, it was like a jersey or something or no, it was like a bat and a hat, I think. I I don't I I don't know if it was a bat and a hat. I didn't bat and a hat, lol. I, I didn't I didn't see that part. I just think it's hilarious that he was like, look. I'm here with the boys. I just want signed baseballs from me and the boys. Like, I think that's so funny. And then there that's was a actually, photo of all of them in the locker room. Like, yeah, just posted with, up with them. With the epic lighting and stuff. That's something I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, Josh, but like, let, let, let's let's put yourself into that kid's shoes. You catch Ellie De La Cruz's first career home run. Now, if this is like some random prospect, you know, like a Johnny DeLuca, let, like, let's say it's Johnny DeLuca. Johnny DeLuca may become something special in the near future. If I catch that, I'm thinking, okay, I want to get a photo with him, get an autograph ball, maybe get like a signed jersey or something like that, but I'll, I'll call it after that. 
If you catch De La Cruz's, who's the number one prospect in baseball, this guy might be a future superstar. I think I saw something that the ball is technically worth like $10,000. I don't know how they put a value on that, but the ball was worth $10,000. You know that this is going to be a big deal. I, I'm asking for more than what this kid got. Like, I'm holding out. If I have to, like, I'll, I will give him the ball eventually. But I might be leaving the stadium with that where I can get some serious consideration because this ball is insanely valuable. And I want to get a haul of a package in return uh, in exchange because you could get it. They'll, they'll pay up. The team will pay up. And like when I said, when I heard what he got, like, you know, signed balls and photos for the boys, I was thinking for a guy of De La Cruz's status, I feel like he could have gotten a whole lot more. Yeah, he probably could. He probably could have gotten a lot more, but I like that he just wanted to sign baseballs for, for him and the boys. Uh, I, I think that's super cool because you're at the game with the boys, right? Also, yeah. I love that he was wearing a polo. Like he 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 was he was dressed as if he were a frat dude at an SEC college football game. Like that's how he 100%. was dressed. Was like he was doing that. Um, Spot on. I mean, I think that's the best way I can describe it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was super cool. Um, and uh, honestly, if I was in that situation, I feel like I'm just asking for like, just give me two season tickets. Give me two season tickets. It can be like second level. Doesn't need to be behind the plate. Last row of the second level. Just give me two season tickets. That's all I want. And trust me, yeah. I know that your rookie contract can even afford to pay for it, even if the team didn't want to just give them. Like, I feel like that's not asking for a lot. Obviously, I'm not going to every game, but like, hook up my dad, hook up you, right. just get just get people tickets. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, Maybe obviously, me being greedy. I don't know. I've no, never was, been in that situation. <laughs> I was gonna say, Josh, I'd be the same. Like, sign ball, give me a sign bad, give me a sign jersey, and then yeah, pretty much at that point, just season tickets. And I don't care where they are. If they're, I saw someone say they should be season tickets in the spot that the guy caught it. Well, I'm pretty sure the Reds aren't selling seats, you know, in the very last row of that section, so they could definitely accommodate. But yeah, for a guy like that's that, a low, I, that's a low ball. Like, if you're yeah. if you're like, give me season seats and the tickets in in the seats that I actually caught the ball in, the Reds would be like. Pfft sure like yeah. go, here you, you go. got it you right? got like, it yeah yeah and again this this is just depending on the prospect like if this was just an everyday random prospect like i said give me a sign ball and let me just meet the guy but for the number one prospect in baseball yeah i'm, I'm asking for quite a lot but anyway back to the whole noah Syndergaard thing josh because again the fact that the dodgers gave him a huge lead early on he couldn't sustain it and yeah he goes to the injury two. list right now two huge yeah. leads Two huge leads, because yeah, I think it was like two or three. It was three nothing, I think, at the end of the first, and then it was six to two in the third inning. So they gave him four, a couple of leads. I think it was four nothing, wasn't it? Oh, even worse, even worse. So he blew two leads. So he goes to the injured list now, and I know, I know a lot of people are saying you got to designate him for assignment. You got to release him, which I totally understand. I totally get why you should release him because again, you, you don't want him making any more starts for the Dodgers. But at this point, it's something we've talked about. Outside of Michael Grove, there's no one that you can really turn to you know, in the minors, maybe Andre Jackson, but we've seen how that's gone. I'm good. Gavin Stone clearly isn't ready. He's probably not going to be ready for at least another month or two. So outside of Gavin St or outside of Michael Grove, there's nobody that the Dodgers can really rely on. So I think that's why it's actually kind of smart to put Noah Syndergaard on the injured list, have him miss a couple of weeks. If Michael Grove doesn't pan out in a couple of weeks, you could turn to Noah Syndergaard. Maybe he's able to figure things out. Maybe a break is good for him where he can turn things around. If there's an injury in the starting rotation to a Kershaw, a Gonsolin, one of these guys, then you can turn to Syndergaard again because, again, if you release him, your options at that point are very thin. You're still paying him regardless, whether he's on the roster or whether he's not. You're still paying him the $10 million he's owed the rest of the year. So I'm actually in favor of it. I like him being on the IL. And like I said, Josh, I personally don't think he makes another start. 
But if he does, it's because it's because the Dodgers desperately need him. But yeah, this is probably going to go down as maybe the worst, second worst signing of the Andrew Friedman era, just because of how bad he's been. I get the good news is it's only a one-year contract. It's not like what the Angels got with Tyler Anderson, where they signed him for a three-year deal and he's been almost just as bad. The good thing is if there's any silver lining is the fact that it's a one-year deal. They're out at the end of the year. But yeah, Josh, I agree. This should be the last we see of Noah Syndergaard, but. I, I personally understand I'm in favor. I support the whole put him on the aisle with his blister injury and just have him in the wings waiting if, you know, he's needed in a few weeks, next month, two months, uh, whatever the reason is. I think if you want to try to somehow maximize what you're getting out of Noah Syndergaard with how bad he's been in the rotation this year, look, the bullpen has been just as bad as Noah Syndergaard has been as a starting pitcher. If if he comes back from this stint on the IL and see if you can extend it if possible, because when you get somebody back to the rotation, maybe force him to the bullpen and see what he can give you in relief. Just put him, give him an inning in the sixth or something like that, or the seventh, like see what he can do. Because right now you've got guys in the bullpen that are just as bad, just in a smaller capacity, right? Um, and, and, and maybe you give him a shot or two in the bullpen. And if it's more of the same, then maybe it's time to cut him loose. But right now, let him sit, let him recover from the blister thing that he's got, um, for the next couple weeks. And when eventually the time comes that you've got more guys back in the rotation and Cindergard is fully recovered, I say, give him a shot in the bullpen because why not? And if it doesn't work, you give him one or two outings. And if it's still more the same, I think it's time to move on. Yeah, completely agree. Give him a shot, see if it happens. If not, then you can cut your ties. So the Dodgers are going to write this out. We'll see what happens. But Noah Syndergaard on the IL with a blister injury. So, Josh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to quickly wrap things up, talking about something that actually might be even a little worse than Noah Syndergaard at the moment for the Dodgers. All right, we are back. We're going to wrap things up, Josh, talking about the Dodgers' bullpen because it's been bad. It's been horrible. It's been atrocious. However, today, Taylor Scott did throw two innings, and he has looked good since being called up, so maybe we've just been missing Taylor Scott. And also, Nick Robertson, who the Dodgers just called up the other day, he looked damn good yesterday, so maybe the Dodgers' bullpen is now saved with the additions of Taylor Scott and Nick Robertson, but... Yeah, the Dodgers' bullpen, we've talked about this so many times. They've been bad. This was a horrible week stretch for them where the bullpen just... So many guys came in, allowed a bunch of runs. Evan Phillips even had two really bad outings this past week. Josh, the craziest, craziest, craziest stat that I came across yesterday when doing an article, I believe if I have it, is the fact that the Dodgers have the most losses in all of baseball this season when scoring six or more runs. And that's a large reason of their bullpen, so... Again, we're almost halfway through the season. What what can be done, do you think? Like, are these the kind of guys you just got to hope you write them out and just hope they turn things around? Are there guys you think that they should maybe cut ties with? Or do you just hope and pray that a lot of these guys return from the injured list and, again, things just kind of figure itself out in the next few months? I mean, honestly, I think it's a little bit of everything you just said, right? I, I think, number one, the Dodgers have to be in the market for a pitcher. Whether it's a starter or a reliever, I think your biggest issue right now is a relief pitcher more than it, more than it even is a starter. Because I think if you're the Dodgers, you're expecting to have your rotation healthy in even a couple of weeks here. Um, 
aside from Walker Bueller. I mean, you, you should expect, you know, all-star break comes around. And I think right now the Dodgers are expecting Gonsolin, Julio, Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw, right? Like that, I think that's kind of what you're hoping for. And you want to rely, you don't want to have to, but I think you're going to rely a little bit on the guys that are currently out. Um, and then also you got to see what guys come around in the bullpen. Maybe you can restructure it a little bit, but I think the Dodgers have to be in the market for a relief pitcher. You just have to be, because you're not going to be able to rely on our Lord and Savior's Taylor Scott and Nick Robertson, you know, I, it's not, it's just not going to happen for the Dodgers. Um, and that's kind of the issue that the Dodgers are in right now is because nothing seems to be getting better at all. Um, and it's just continuing to get worse. Um, so, I mean, you look at the Dodgers bullpen stats um, as a whole this season, just looking at where they rank in the national league ER second to last, uh, in saves, third to last, hits allowed, second in the second in the NL, uh, earned runs, second in the NL, whip, fourth in the NL, home runs allowed, second in the NL. They don't walk too many guys, so that's better. Um, and you know they're about middle of the pack in strikeouts. But in terms of the actual offensive production of opposing teams against the Dodgers, it's been pretty good for everybody else. So the fact that the Dodgers bullpen ranks really in the bottom two of all of those categories in the national league this year, not a good sign. And then if you're looking yeah. overall, they're bottom five in ERA, they're bottom eight in saves, they're bottom four or bottom five again in hits bottom five again in ERA like or in earned runs bottom five in whip. Like that's just how it's been for the Dodgers this season, um, both in the league rankings and um, across baseball as a whole. So Things haven't been good. Things need to improve, but it's just been a roller coaster all season. I'd say on a consistency standpoint, I'd say it's been consistently bad. There have been some moments that have made it go up and down a little bit, but I mean, they've been short. You know, you've got your, you've got like a series of bad pitching, especially out of the bullpen. And then you'll like start the next series with an unreal bullpen game. Maybe get, maybe Cindergaard goes three innings and the bullpen doesn't give up a run, right? And then the next day, it's like five great innings at the beginning and the bullpen blows it. Like, that's just how it's been all season long. And uh, it's not sustainable because, again, we talked about this earlier in the season. Dodgers weren't scoring runs first couple weeks of the season, right? Well, now you just gave that stat about scoring six runs or more. And we're at the point where you expect the offense to do something. I mean, you just look at this red series as a whole and, you know, eight runs in a loss on Tuesday, six runs and a loss on Wednesday. Sure. You know, the Dodgers blow up for eight runs on Friday and then don't do much against the Yankees the next two games. But this has been the stretch for the offense recently, six runs and a loss to the nationals, nine runs, six runs, 10 runs and a loss to the Rays, six runs, three runs, three runs, eight runs, eight runs. Like the Dodgers offense for the most part is scoring runs. It's baseball. You're going to have off days, but you cannot expect the offense to win every single game for you. You should absolutely expect the Dodgers to go to score four or five runs a game, right? You should expect that at minimum. And that's, I think what they're doing right now. And the bullpen is letting them down every single game, almost yeah, every single game. The crazy thing is if the Dodgers had the bullpen, they've had like the last five to six years, they'd probably be on par with like the Tampa Bay Rays in regards to record, because 
so many losses like you just rattled off just recently how many runs this offense has been scoring i mean this is like one of the best offenses the dodgers have ever had and they're struggling to win games josh the bullpen era this year is the second worst it's been since the team moved to los angeles that's how bad it is and even before yesterday's game i went and i crunched the numbers if you took evan phillips out of the equation their bullpen era would be above five so it's been horrible all season hopefully they're able to turn a corner my only concern is is because they need bullpen help so badly they're probably going to have to overpay at the trade deadline to get some bullpen arms to really help out the back of the bullpen. Because again, Blake Trinan, Alex Reyes, Jimmy Nelson, Ryan Pepio, JP Fireisen, they're all Daniel Hudson, they're all guys who could be back at some point this year for the Dodgers. You just can't really bank on it. So again, maybe uh, Nick Robertson and Taylor Scott are our saviors and they're the guys that can shut it down. But the Dodgers need help. They need guys. They need help badly because you can't ask for Alex Vesia. Yancy Almonte, Phil Bickford, Bruce Dark Gratterall, Victor Gonzalez, Caleb Ferguson. You can't ask for every single guy to be better. A few guys might be better. You might get two or three of those guys that turn things around, but you're not going to get it out of all of them. So the Dodgers bullpen, that's their biggest issue. Hopefully they can get a little better because there was that stretch, Josh, where like three weeks, the Dodgers had like no off days. Their starters weren't going deep at all. The bullpen was being overworked. Maybe that played a little bit of a role, but... Hopefully, again, we can kind of right the ship, get a little better, and uh, move forward with Nick Robertson yeah. and Taylor Scott in the back of our bullpen. Uh, Taylor even, with an E? Yeah, Taylor with an E. So when you're trying uh, to write lover. that down, yeah, it yeah. gets a little confusing. It gets just wow. a tad bit confusing. So stay uh, stay on top of that. So that is wrap it up for today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, as always, make sure you guys follow the show on whatever social media app you guys use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also watch and listen to the full episodes over on YouTube as well. We're also on Spotify, Apple, the Odyssey app. So wherever you guys get your podcast, you guys can find us there. Josh, any parting words, any farewells before we uh, wrap up the show today? Hey, uh, on, you know, a road trip continuing. So, you know, like to see the Dodgers go to Philly this weekend, get a couple of games um, and then coming back home for what? Nine of the next 11 um, and your two road games in that stretch after you come home are right down the freeway in Anaheim. So um, you got some some home games coming up two beatable teams in that homestand after the Phillies, including the White Sox and the Giants. Uh, and then you get the Astros. So, uh that should be fun. Let's win some more games. Let's keep this winning streak going. But for Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. And enjoy the rest of your day wherever you may be.